Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Oh, I feel good. I knew that. If you're a leader with managers reporting to you, I want to ask you a few questions to ask yourself. Does your leadership team work seamlessly together? Are they focused and organized? Do they function well or fight each other? Do they communicate effectively or are they cloaked with confusion? Do they make decisions efficiently and effectively? Are they hiring, training, and keeping the best talent? If someone leaves, do you have an A player waiting on the bench? Well, if you can't answer yes to all of the above, then perhaps I can help you and your team. I help leadership teams work together harmoniously and achieve greater business results. If you want a, a free assessment and a discussion, just email me, steve at managermojo.com. Tell me you'd like to, to chat for a little bit and we'll schedule a call. Thank you. That's steve at managermojo.com. Welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest today, Mr. Liam Martin. Now, Liam is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of TimeDoctor.com and Staff.com. He graduated with a master's in sociology from McGill University, and he really uh, got interested in working with remote employees and, and how to work with them properly. Uh, he regularly consults on outsourcing and process design, and he's passionate about helping us to gain insights on uh, how people work and how we can actually work better with uh, remote employees. I know it's going to be a great topic today, uh, and Liam, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, before we uh, begin talking about remote workers, the first thing I'd want to do is tell our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work. I have started a <clears throat> photography project. So I just bought uh, a light ring and uh, probably way too much photography equipment, you know, five grand with a photography equipment. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm taking a course on how to uh, photograph, um, particularly with black and white. Well, so I'm quite interested in that. I kind of feel like you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. So if you come home from work one day and business is going bad, you could say, well, at least I'm kicking butt at taking photos today. Hey, I love uh, it. I always try to do work. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's awesome. And uh, it's a great hobby uh, for anybody to get into. So good luck in working on that. Uh, yeah. Liam, let, let's talk today. Uh, I, I really want to talk about uh, 
really uh, this idea of working with remote employees it, it's been a an ever-growing problem for companies because today uh, we know that uh, the workforce is more dispersed than ever and people are really struggling with how to really work well with remote employees and why don't you uh, share first a little bit of your perspective on uh, remote employees why is it important to have them first and then we'll talk in mm -hmm. about a few more specifics sure so I, I loved the way that you communicated that question which was the problem of remote work and I think that that's what a lot of employers see remote work as saying, man, how are we going to, everyone's asking for remote work <laughs> agreements. This is a problem. You know, we need to solve this. And <clears throat> I actually see remote work as an advantage. So most of, we have 80 plus employees in 27 different countries all over the world. And uh, we've always been remote as a business. Our business is actually helping remote teams collaborate. So we want to eat our own dog food and continue to be a remote business. But for us, more importantly, it makes the employee happier. It makes the employee more efficient. Uh, retention is 25% higher. You can hire 38% faster with remote employees. And it's the number one request for millennials. That's the number one work perk work uh, perk for millennials is being able to work remotely, have a work remote work agreement. So I think if businesses are thinking about this right now and they're thinking and they're, they're framing it in the context of a problem, they won't only be able to be able to take advantage of remote work, but they'll be left behind because that talent is going to go to other companies and not be able to work with you guys. Uh, I, I definitely uh, think you're you're spot on in terms of the advantages uh, to working and having people work remotely. Uh, however, the the thing that I hear most often from uh, managers is that look, you know, it's really tough to know if they're working or not working and. Uh, they come up with a lot of different excuses uh, about what the employees are doing. And I, I know you're an expert in that area, so why don't you share your ideas uh, a little bit about, look, it doesn't have to be a problem. Right. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a softball question for me, Steve, because our tool fundamentally solves that problem for remote workers. So Time Doctor, which is one of our products, uh, timedoctor.com, is the ability to be able to measure not just how long someone has worked, but all the websites, applications, mouse movements, and keyboard movements associated with that task. So right now I'm doing podcasts with Steve on my computer. I'm measuring how much time I'm spending on Google Calendar, how much time I'm spending on Skype, on Gmail. And then at the end of this call, I can connect that with all the other podcasts that I've done, and I can start to figure out if I'm doing a podcast successfully or unsuccessfully. So we use a lot of machine learning as well to be able to gain insights into what people are doing with their time and how to make them more productive. But specifically for remote, <clears throat> remote workers and employers, what we do is we solve a fundamental problem, which you just touched on, which is trust. I don't know what my employees are doing because they're not in the office. And the question that I usually have for them is, you don't know what they're doing even when they are in the office. You don't know how much time they're spending on different things. Um, why not make them happier by getting them outside of the office, 
focusing them on a core KPI and then focus and then having very granular data. So for us inside of our company, our entire business is run on time, right? Because time is money. So we understand exactly how long it takes to optimize a blog post, how long it takes for me to be able to prep a podcast, um, you know, email a customer. All of this stuff is measured and optimized. And that's what we do as a business. And, And I think once this is kind of the future of not just remote work, but work in general, where you are you have the inputs and you have the outputs, but no one really has the in-between. And there's a lot of optimizations that you can do on the in-betweens to be able to make your team more efficient. Well, I, I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that uh, oftentimes in an office, uh, people don't know what their uh, team is doing anymore there. Uh, I, I know this uh, to be very true. One of my favorite stories was uh, I had a guy that uh, worked in sales and uh, I worked with him at that particular time and boy, we had a boss that was really tough to, to deal with. And uh, mm-hmm. every time this guy saw the boss starting to walk through the office, uh, he needed to go take a restroom break. And <laughs> he would literally wait in the restroom until this guy cleared the area. It was the the funniest thing I've ever seen. It, it wow. didn't really, it, it, he was just hiding. And uh, so right. I, I think that people do a lot of things like this, uh, but it th- there's no real trust. And I, I think that being able to track it, uh, I'm sure that many people didn't even know that there is uh, software like Time Doctor to be able to, to monitor what people are doing. Uh, but this idea of trust, one of the things that people say is that, if, if they're working from home, I really don't get a chance uh, to know them. I don't really get to meet them and know the employees. And uh, I know that you recommend having frequent video conferences to solve that. And I think this is an area mm-hmm. where people are not doing very well with that. Uh, tell us what you've discovered by, by doing uh, frequent video conferences and how many should we even have? I mean, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So just in terms of the way that I like to communicate, uh, video trumps audio, audio trumps uh, instant messaging, and instant messaging trumps email. So the email is the lowest form of communication when you want to be able to really get information-rich data. Uh, Messaging someone on Skype or on Slack or something like that, you're at least going to be able to get a much faster response. And then audio is something where you can get the context of what people are saying. You can hear how they're communicating with you so you can understand some of the nonverbal components of the way that people say things. And then video is the best one. So for me, if I can hear a, yeah, that'll be great. I'll definitely do that project for you, Steve. On audio, it might sound okay, but if I'm squirming on video, then you know that something's not really working, uh, and you know that that could be an issue. And we've actually added one recently, which is quite interesting, is we've recently bought a few Oculus Go headsets, which are virtual reality um, interfaces, and we're even looking at creating, we've created a virtual boardroom. in the Oculus network, and we're even looking at can we bring people into a virtual boardroom and communicate that way, where you can just kind of pop up a Google Doc as an example in the virtual space. 
and have everyone talking and interacting and playing games and all that kind of stuff. So that's another one that we're, we're experimenting with as well, which could even trump video. So in terms of context of communication, I actually come down to you should have your quarterly meeting, which really focuses on what was the quarterly rock that everyone was supposed to do. And that's one that I just, we have those meetings four times a year. What was your quarterly rock? Did you accomplish your quarterly rock? Then broken down into that, uh, I have monthly steering meetings, and those monthly steering meetings focus on are we on track for that quarterly rock? Because you've only got three of those. Actually, sorry, you only have two of those. The third one is you actually have to now present and say, oh, did I accomplish it or not? Uh, should we stop working on this, as an example? And then I break it down into weekly um, syncs. So I have weekly syncs with the team where I'll usually have a whole bunch of people that'll chat together and just say, okay, are we on target? What do we need to do next week? Those types of things. And then I'll usually do, uh, I don't personally do these at this point, but our team managers will, is they'll do daily standups. And those are under 15 minutes. Usually the meeting is less than eight people and just sort of talking about any big barriers that we have, uh, anything that's a big problem and uh, what everyone is doing that day. And those are all done on video. So uh, I think probably we're talking about realistically, we're talking about five 15-minute meetings, and then at the beginning of the week, we're talking about one 45-minute meeting. So that's approximately how much time we spend, uh, and everyone in the company has to have those types of meetings. If they don't have a direct manager, then that's a problem, and they need to be able to uh, find a manager, basically, to attach themselves to a team and then start doing those meetings. I think it's uh, really uh, a, a cool tip in terms of, uh, look, put them, if they're working remotely, don't depend just on email. I, I see so many people that they they depend completely on email, and email is the worst form of communication because people can't really ask the questions properly that they need in order to get clarity on what they need to do. And video certainly gives you a chance to look at their response and figure out whether or not you've connected or not. And, uh, and right. the, the other part that I like about that is that you actually get to know them a little bit better personally when you're doing, especially if you do a one-on-one -on -one with someone. Uh, being able to look at each other and uh, have that experience of talking directly with one another uh, there's no substitute for that, and yet I, I find people today they get they, they use the idea of busyness uh, as an excuse and don't really organize it. And uh, that's what I love about uh, your idea is that look, manage your time, know what you're spending time on, and make sure it's the right things to to spend your time on. I think all of those are very right. critical. I'm a bit of a hands-off manager when it comes to those types of things. Uh, you'll either accomplish your case. So first off, most employers don't have clear metrics to measure their employees by. Thank you. And that's something that is, is just so frustrating when I see people saying, well, okay, what is this a person supposed to do? Are they, are they in sales? Yeah. Well, are you measuring how many sales they're doing? Well, that's a really complicated question. No, it isn't. Are they making sales? Yes or no. What is an acceptable amount of sales to be able to accomplish and over what amount of time, right? And if they are not able to accomplish that, 
then they shouldn't be working at the company or they should be moved somewhere else. So I kind of see it almost like it just boils down into two categories. You either have people that are really good at their jobs, actually four categories. You have people that are really good at their jobs and are incredibly successful at their jobs. They have the right culture and they can execute. Those are your rock stars. You keep them. You have people that can't execute but are connected but are connected well to your culture. So for us, we hire just we hire based off culture first before we even look at their resumes. And if they're really connected to the culture but they're not succeeding in the position, then we look at the manager or we look at what they're currently doing and maybe they need to be moved to something else. Then there's the third category, which is people that are not connected to our culture or not succeeding culturally and are really bad at their job. That's a pretty simple decision. You just get those people out as quickly as possible. And then the fourth category, which are, is a category that's so difficult for people to be able to take on, is people that are really good at their jobs but don't meet the culture. So as an example, let's say that I had a really fantastic, let's say I had the best salesperson in the company, but he said, in context, we run a business where we empower remote teams to be able to work better together. We have the best sales guy in the team, and he says, remote work is stupid, and I don't like it. And I think that anyone that does it is an idiot. You got to get rid of that person. Even if they are the best salesperson, you got to get rid of them. <laughs> well, they because don't believe in what you're doing. Culture cancer. That's it. They don't believe in the mission. It's cultural cancer. And you'll end up, that will work its way into the rest of the business. So I just take those, ver I break those people down into four different categories. We also, by the way, on top of these video meetings, we do do at least a yearly team retreat where we fly everyone into one place on the planet. So this year it's going to be in Bali and everyone flies in and we do kind of like a two to three day uh, mini conference retreat where we just discuss every and all aspects of the business and where we're going to go next year. And that's also really important to meet people face-to-face. -face. It gives you a lot more context for communications remotely moving forward. Love it. Well, well done. And uh, you mentioned uh, one thing here that I'd like to talk about. You talked about your culture and all. And I think uh, a lot of people uh, would be open to uh, remote employees, but they really don't recruit them very well. Uh, it, it is amazing to me to watch uh, and review ads that companies post on job boards. Uh, and I know you, you really uh, have some really good ideas about how to attract the best talent on a job board. Would you mind sharing your philosophy on that and how people can really write better uh, job postings? Sure. So I think, first of all, you really have to, if you want someone to succeed long term, they have to connect with your company culture and they have to be the right, the right psychological match uh, for your company. So uh, I'll give you an example is we usually hire people that more that are more on the introverted side of the spectrum. We are slightly on the extroverted side of the spectrum. Um, that is it and i honestly do suffer sometimes in what i need out of my environment because uh, i like to talk to people and uh thankfully i can do podcasts like this where i can get i can get my talks out but for other people in the company like developers i, I have a product manager that lives four blocks away from me i might see him face to face once a quarter he doesn't 
want to talk to me. Uh, he doesn't like that type of interaction. He likes to stay at home, and uh, that's fine for him, and it actually makes him much more productive if he doesn't interact with people. He finds it a distraction. And for other people in other companies, they would see that as weird, and they would see that as not against, that, they would, that would be against their culture. For us, that's a, that is an asset that you want inside of, uh, that we want inside of our business. So we hire for that. We, we definitely hire for culture before we even look at their resume. And even when you're going to post a job like that, you really need to understand what people are getting into. So even in that job posting, we have preambles at the very beginning talking about who are, who we are, what our company is about, how we interact with people. And if you're not interested in this, then you should probably not apply. They're basically trying to give people as many reasons as possible to uh, to not work with us because the other advantage with remote hiring is you get a lot more candidates. Um, we just, I mean, we have about eight or nine postings that are always live and we usually get a thousand plus candidates that come in through uh, for each position. So it's a lot of people to be able to work through. So we always try to say like, here are our, here are our values. This is the type of company that we want to build uh, and sometimes we actually give them the nitty gritty difficult components of the way that our business works and hope. And that's with the goal of trying to tell them this is the way it's going to be in six months. You don't want to take on this position and in six months hate yourself because you took it. Uh, so once they've actually all been hired, the next thing that we do is we really try to bring them in from a cultural perspective um, into what we're doing and try to communicate what we feel is the way that they should interact with us on a regular basis. So as an example, I have a PDF and a uh, 15 minute video. And I believe the video is called uh, Liam's, Not, Li Liam's Nine Weird Quarks and How to Work with Him. <laughs> and it's just a video of me for 15 minutes on video explaining my nine weird quarks what I like in workers, what I like in collaborating with uh, employees, what I don't like in collaborating with employees, and how to get the most out of me. Because uh, fundamentally, as a manager, I'm here to be able to try to optimize your, uh, your productivity, right? So if I can make you 10% more efficient, I've succeeded at my job, and that's my main goal. But if you interact with me in a way, so as an example, I don't like details. I don't like someone to come in and describe a problem to me without a proposed solution. Anyone that does that, I end up not getting along with very well, and I'll usually end up either not working with them or pawn them off to another team because I don't have time to be able to uh, come up with a solution for you, number one. And number two, I always believe that the person who is closest to the problem already has the solution they're just coming to me to kind of get a second opinion and if you don't have that solution ready i usually don't really we won't be working together that much longer that's an example of something that's just a weird little quirk about me that's just very honest and i wanted to be able to communicate that honestly to people so that they know exactly what they're getting into mm. all of those factors usually produce for us within a month i mean <laughs> we're hiring i was just looking at our, our, our queue today I think we had eight people that we're on for a uh, two-week trial, paid two-week trial, and I think only two of them have made it through. Uh, two of them 
left on their own accord and the other four that uh, we left we let go so we've got two left out of eight and i mean that for us is a great result we want to be able to get those people out to know that they're not the type of person that we want and uh, get the people that we are really passionate about and just invest everything we can into making them successful well i I love the fact that you're uh, you have a video of your own quirks because it lets people know you uh, right off the bat it's a great uh, first step in onboarding a new uh, employee a new team member and uh, they don't have to guess what you think. I love that part of it. Uh, Liam, I know that uh, people listening, you're giving us an awful lot of ideas today, and I know they're gonna wanna know more about your work. Why don't you share with them how they could connect with you, and uh, we'll go. Uh, then we'll, we'll uh, go from there. I've got another question I wanna ask you. Sure, so if anyone wants to check out a, a trial, a free trial of Time Doctor, you can just go to timedoctor.com, check it out there. Also, too, we are running a conference on remote work down in Ubud, Bali. And for anyone that's interested, that's at uh, runningremote.com. And we're assembling really the best group. If anyone's interested in remote work at all, send your HR managers down to this type of a conference because these are the best companies and the biggest companies that we've found that are work that are running their businesses 100% remote and the goal of the conference is to really figure out the playbook to build the first billion dollar remote business which i think is actually going to happen very soon um so both of those spots are fantastic areas to just get started on remote remote work and i'm always floating around there if you just uh scream my name to support at time doctor or if you email running remote i will appear Love it, love it. And uh, for those of you that are exercising and listening, uh, as always, we uh, will include links directly to the websites that Liam's mentioned to make it easy for you. Uh, Liam, uh, one of the things that I like uh, at Manager Mojo is to give people action items and to really understand what they should do next. So uh, I'm curious, what would be your top two recommendations uh, to people listening today to really take advantage of this uh, remote working uh, that we're seeing just really explode all over the globe. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, if you let's say you haven't hired anybody remotely and you want to hire your very first person. Let's say you're the owner of the business. I'm going to I'm going to kind of frame it in that context. First thing that you should do is not hire anyone remotely. <laughs> uh, don't do that. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to very clearly define the position. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need to define that position much clearer than you would if it was an on-site worker. And I know that people are kind of listening to this and thinking, oh, man, well, okay, that sounds like more work. I'll just do the on-site part. No, no, the, the best part's coming up. So you take what that position would do. So let's say I'm hiring an assistant as an example. What are the things that an assistant does? Write them down on a Google Doc as an example. Uh, Don't write them on a piece of paper. Write them on a shareable cloud document. And then you you need to very clearly identify all of the tasks that that person would do. We have a saying in the company, which is instructions should not be easy to understand, they should be impossible to misunderstand. It's a very small tweak, 
But once you understand that, you'll have very clear processes that are digital, that you can communicate anywhere on the planet. They can be transported anywhere on the planet, and that's when you're ready to hire somebody remotely. So get that in place first before you do the hiring. It's really important that you don't just hire first because that's usually where we see people fail is uh, understanding that you have an on-site company, as an example, you've got a whole bunch of on-site employees. There are There is so much secret knowledge. There's so many processes that are in the heads of your employees, and you need to be able to communicate that very clearly, have processes in place before you start hiring remotely. And this is not only good for hiring remotely, but this is just good business in general. Totally if, agree. you know, we have the uh, get hit by a bus rule, which is if anyone gets hit by a bus, what secret knowledge do they take with them? And if they have, <laughs> if they have some secret knowledge that no one knows how to do except for them, they need to put it into a Google Doc or they need to put it into a wiki, or there's a whole bunch of different process documentation uh, platforms that you can go and buy that are even better. But I don't try to scare people with that stuff. Just Google Docs, they're free, you sign up, and you've got a document that you can communicate anywhere. That would be my first and second thing. First, process documentation. Second, start with only one hire. Don't do 10, do one, see how it feels, get the flow for it. Once you've got that in place, you can hire 10, 20, 100 people. Love it. L Liam, uh, those are phenomenal tips and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, our guest today has been Liam Martin. He's the co-founder and CMO of timedoctor.com and staff.com. Uh, Liam, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Uh, you've helped us kind of get a, 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 our arms around this concept and now we've got some action items that we can go forward with. Thank you very much, and we wish you continued success in everything that you do. Cool. Thanks a lot, Steve.